Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. everybody and welcome back to the triple s podcast happy new year people we finally survived 2020 we're on to 2021 whatever you want to accomplish this year it's yours for the taking uh and i guess that'll wrap it up for my inspirational intro so you know as i said happy new year this is the first triple s podcast episode of the year 2021 and uh it's going to be a good one it will be a little bit quicker but let's get right into it we're going to start off talking about the nfl So the year 2020 came to a close and, you know, just around the corner, the NFL regular season is about to come to a close in week 17, which is going down tomorrow. But before we jump into week 17 and all the playoff implications, we're going to talk a little bit about week 16 and give you guys a quick recap. So last episode uh, was released last Saturday, so we would have already talked about last Friday's game when the Saints blew out the Vikings 52-33. to Alvin Kamara had his six-touchdown performance, tying an NFL record. So the next games last week started on that Saturday. First game was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Detroit Lions in a big game for them. Uh, the Bucs had a chance to clinch the playoffs for the first time since 2008, I believe it was, or 2004. So it's been a long time coming for the Bucs. And not only did they stamp their ticket to the playoffs, they did it with emphasis. They got a 47-7 win beating the Lions by 40 points. Matt Stafford didn't even finish the game. He got a little bit banged up. And, you know, it leaves a lot of questions for Lions fans. Are they ever going to see him suit up again? Is he going to be able to play in Week 17? And then, you know, what happens after Week 17? Is he going to be traded? Are they going to keep him on? Who knows? But one thing we do know is that Tom Brady and those Buccaneers are ramping up at the perfect time. I talked about it last episode how, you know, they had a lot of hype to start the year. That hype kind of dwindled off during the season. They had some subpar performances. They couldn't seem to get a primetime win. But now it seems like they're getting hot at the right time. Mike Evans is getting hot at the right time. It seems like Antonio Brown is starting to be a good contributor. Chris Godwin looks healthy. He had a really nice one-handed touchdown in this game. So, you know, watch out for the Buccaneers. I know they're kind of flying under some people's radars. In the NFC, people tend to talk about the Saints, the Packers, you know, teams like that, even the Rams have gotten a little bit of consideration, but we'll get to them. But watch out for these Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's all I'm going to say. They look like they're ramping up at the right time. The second game of Saturday last week was the Arizona Cardinals taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And this game was huge for the Cardinals. They had a really good chance to get a leg up on the Chicago Bears and really position themselves for a spot in the playoffs. But unfortunately for the Cardinals, they lost 20-12. to Uh, There seems to be some problems in the desert. That's what I'll say. Uh, At the beginning of the year, there was a point where Kyler Murray was actually in MVP conversations. No more. That's not even uh, something that anyone even thinks about at this point. Uh, It was at a point where I actually put in a bet for Kyler Murray to win the MVP. I believe I put it in week four or five when they were really, really hot. I think they started off the season three or four and one. So, you know, to go from a hot start like that, to then being in a position where, you know, you could actually end up 8-8. Eight and eight. Right now they sit at 8-7. and seven. If they lose in Week 17, they could go 8-8 eight and eight and miss the playoffs. Uh, if they win at 9-7, and seven, I believe they are in, if I'm not mistaken. And now we're going to talk about the last game of Saturday, uh, last week in Week 16 of the NFL. My Miami Dolphins took on the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas. 
And this one was an emotional roller coaster to say the very least. Uh, the Raiders looked like the superior team, I'll be honest, for, for parts of the game. Tua Tungavailoa had his struggles. He was pulled for Ryan Fitzpatrick with about eight or nine minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. And uh, that seemed to be the spark that the Dolphins needed. Um, I mean, Tua Tungavailoa did have a touchdown pass before exiting the game to Miles Gaskin. But as soon as Fitzpatrick came in, you know, it just seemed to be that the offense was more vertical. Mike Gusecki got some targets down the field, had a few big catches. And then a huge play to Miles Gaskin was just a quick underneath pass. And he broke a couple tackles, broke to the outside and raced on the sidelines for, I believe it was a 50, uh, 50 to 60 yard touchdown to take the lead late in the game. Unfortunately for Miami, though, they did give up a pass interference on the ensuing drive. Uh, and then the Raiders were able to drain the clock down to 18 seconds and kick a go-ahead field goal to go up by two points. Now, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of people that were questioning John Gruden's decision there. So when the Las Vegas Raiders kicked that go-ahead field goal, they were down at the one-yard line before uh, they took a knee instead of going for the touchdown. And the reasoning behind this was to drain the clock down an extra 40 seconds call the timeout, and then, you know, give your kicker a chance to kick a field goal to go ahead by two points with under 20 seconds left. So, I mean, it's it sound logic, but the thing is, against teams like Miami, who seem to always have these miracles up their sleeves, uh, you know, people are going to go back and with hindsight, they're going to say it was a wrong decision. I mean, honestly, you do that 99 times out of 100, you're going to win the game, but... But there's always a but, and there's a reason it's 99 out of 100. My Miami Dolphins were that one out of 100. So after the Las Vegas kick, they were up by one point. Miami Dolphins get the ball back. They ran one play from their own 25. Mac Hollins got open deep. They played some kind of weird cover two where they didn't carry the outside receiver. I'm not sure what Vegas was thinking there. Uh, maybe Greg Williams was talking to their DC before the play and said, hey, you should call this because he seems to know how to blow a lead late in the game. And Matt Collins was left wide open on the sideline. He caught it at about the 41-yard line of the Raiders. And on top of this, when Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the pass, he had his helmet absolutely yanked by a Raiders defensive lineman. That was seen by the refs. They threw the flag for a 15-yard penalty. So that moved the ball from the 41-yard line all the way down to the 26-yard line of the Raiders. So that set up the Miami Dolphins kicker, Jason Sanders, with a chance to win the game down. At that point, it was 23-25. to He kicks the field goal, makes it 26-25 with the second remaining. The Dolphins go on to win the game. That was a really, really crazy emotional roller coaster. I thought we were going to win when Miles Sanders scored. Then I thought we were for sure going to lose when Nelson Aguilar got the P.I., and the Raiders were able to drain the clock. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, pulls another one out of the hat, gets us in range for the field goal, and Jason Sanders knocks it through for the win. And what a way it was to cap off the three games on Saturday. Uh, couldn't ask for more exciting and action-packed day of football. And we didn't have to ask for one, but we got one the very next day. And we're going to talk about some of the crazy stuff that happened at 1 o'clock in the NFL Week 16, the craziest of which was the New York Jets. The New York Jets with another win. This is their second win on the year. They win 23-16 against the Cleveland Browns. And it's not like Cleveland had nothing to play for. 
Cleveland was playing for a spot in uh, the playoffs and a chance uh, should they have won that game to play Pittsburgh for the division in Week 17. But unfortunately for the Browns, they had a bunch of receivers out because of COVID. Baker Mayfield was down a bunch of targets. And in a game where you would think that they would run the ball a lot more because they don't have those receiving targets, I guess what ended up happening is that, you know, the Jets know that you're more likely to run because you don't have those receiving targets. They crowded the box and forced Baker Mayfield to beat them with, uh, you know, the depleted weaponry that they had. Weren't able to do it. Jets 23, Browns 26, or sorry, Browns 16 and Jets 23. And this win for the Jets combined with the Jags loss that we'll talk about in a second secures the New York Jets to be the number two pick in the draft. Uh, so Trevor Lawrence, probably not going to happen for you guys. Sorry, Jets fans. So, you know, we just talked about it a little bit, but the Jags also lost, which secured themselves getting the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. Who would have thought, you know, this is a team that started the season 1-0 and beating the Colts, who everyone was pretty high on to start the season. So people were starting to say, oh my gosh, like, are the Jags for real? And they haven't won since. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of funny to go from 1-0 and to first overall pick. I'm not sure how many times that's happened, but it's got to be, you know, only a handful of times. But they lost 17-41 to against the Chicago Bears. You know, the Bears put up a lot of points, but I do want to touch on one thing. Um, even though, you know, for someone who might just look at the box score or may not have watched the game and just see the score 41-17, while wow, Mitch Trubisky should, might have played amazing. But, you know, as someone who actually watched the game, I do want to just say very quickly that I'm still not sold on Mitch Trubisky. Uh, this was actually my upset pick of the week, if you guys remember from last week's episode. But uh, obviously the upset didn't come through. But one thing that I predicted did come through, and it was that Mitch Trubisky, uh, this little hot streak that he was on, would kind of come to an end. At one point, they were in the red zone, and he threw up a pass into like a crowd of maybe one receiver, maybe two receivers, and there was about four or five DBs. And it was an easy pick for the Jags. And, you know, I saw that play and it just made me think, okay, when they play teams like the Saints or if they play a team like the Packers, that stuff's not going to fly. You're not going to have, you know, a team that's only putting up 17 points against you in the playoffs. Uh, You're going to be playing the most firepowered offenses where if you make mistakes like that, Trubisky, uh, they're going to come back and bite you and you might be on the other end of a 17 to 41 loss. All right, so we just talked about how, you know, the Jets started their season off 1-0 with a win over the Colts. Some would say that's the first failure of the Colts season. Well, they added another one on Sunday. Uh, they lost 28-24 to against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, that on its own wouldn't be that bad. You know, you factor in the fact that the Steelers are coming off of three-game losing streak. You know, then it seems a little bit worse than it is. But then you add in the fact that at halftime, you know, the Indianapolis Colts were up 21 to 7. Uh, they were up 24 to 7 at one point. And then to lose that game, score no points in the fourth quarter, only score three points the entire second half. Uh, Phillip Rivers looked really good in the first half. Then he looked really pedestrian in the second half. They couldn't protect him either. That was another problem for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Steelers seemed to get a lot of that pass rush back that they've been missing since Bud Dupree went down. And for the Steelers, it was a huge win because with the Browns loss that we talked about, they secured the division title 
and they secured at least one home playoff game in the 2021 NFL playoffs. And for the Colts on the other side, their loss combined with a Dolphins win, a Ravens win, which we'll talk about, um, that pushed them all the way out of the playoffs to the outside looking in as the eighth seed. They're the last remaining team that's in the hunt. Uh, it used to be the Ravens, but the Ravens win and the Colts loss actually pushed the Colts out of playoff position, which is kind of weird because they still have a chance to win the division over Tennessee, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, as it stands right now, the Colts are on the outside looking in. They need a win and help to get into the playoffs. So the reason that the Colts still have a chance to win the division is because in week 16, the Green Bay Packers took care of business and beat the Tennessee Titans 40-14 to in the snow. Uh, that was a really fun game to watch. Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but there's something about watching a game in the snow that uh, it just has that extra factor to it, kind of like a winter wonderland or whatever. But that was a cool game. You know, we saw some Lambeau leaps in the snow by A.J. Dillon, the rookie who had two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers put on a clinic. He looks stellar. And I made a note here. I wanted to say that I think that the MVP race is all but wrapped up. We didn't talk about the Atlanta versus Kansas City game, but that game ended 17-14. Mahomes looked off at times against a defense that most people have been carving up. So I think you mix that with the fact that Aaron Rodgers put up video game-like numbers once again against the Titans, uh, threw wherever he wanted. You know, Devontae Adams went off again as well. I think that Aaron Rodgers has solidified himself as the MVP of the 2020-2021 NFL season. And they got a huge win, and they stay in position for the first seed. If they win in Week 17, they will get the first round by in the NFC playoffs. The next game we're going to talk about is another team who has an outside chance at that number one seed in the NFC. That is the Seattle Seahawks, who took on the Los Angeles Rams in Week 16. They won that game 20-9. to One of the very notable things to bring up in this game is that Jared Goff actually broke his thumb uh, there was a point, and I believe it was the third quarter, where he went to throw, and on the follow-through, his thumb hit a Seahawks defender's helmet. looked very, very painful. And to me, it was pretty impressive that he was even able to continue in the game. They showed him on the sidelines trying to grip the ball and throw it, and he wasn't able to do it. As soon as he you know, went to throw the ball, he looked right at the coach and kind of shook his head no. He looked like he was in visible pain. Uh, but then, you know, even despite all of that, he went back in the game, which I thought was pretty impressive, uh, even though he wasn't impressive. Uh, just to have the toughness and the grit to stay in the game was impressive to me. Uh, but unfortunately for the Rams, they lost the game 20-9. Seahawks clinched the NFC West. And um, it's going to be tough for the Rams because they are in a, not a must win, but it would definitely help their cause to win in Week 17 for their playoff chances. And Jared Goff has been ruled out. So we'll talk about that when we talk about Week 17, but just to give you a little primer on that. And now for the last game of Week 16. On Monday night, we had the Buffalo Bills traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Final score of this one was 38-9 to for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, at one point, I believe it was 10-3 for Buffalo. Cam Newton had a vintage Cam Newton type, you know, escape the pocket, break a sack, make a couple guys miss and run into the end zone for a touchdown. And that was to potentially tie the game at 10-10. But the Patriots missed the ensuing uh, point after, the extra point. And as, as someone who was watching that game and someone who, you know, 
on the low key, I guess I was kind of rooting for New England just to see Buffalo lose a game there. But as soon as New England missed that extra point, something inside me said, no, this isn't happening. Uh, I think that that missed extra point for me was kind of just like the the indication that, you know, Buffalo's got this game and they did. Uh, New England didn't score another point and Buffalo went on to rip them to shreds. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen deserve a lot of credit in this game. So does the Buffalo defense. And another person that I want to give some credit to is Brian Dable because I was thinking about the game after it ended. There's a lot of really good stuff that Josh Allen does, but there's a lot of stuff that that happens for that offense that is very good that you can't necessarily attribute to Josh Allen. And one of the things that comes to mind first when I say that is that there's always a wide open receiver. They always seem to have the right scheme, the right play in place. They always seem to have defenses caught off guard to where they don't they don't really get predicted very often. Defenses don't really get to they don't get a jump on the Buffalo offense. It's not like, okay, we know they're gonna run here, we're gonna run blitz, we get a stop. Whenever Buffalo does something on offense, it seems to be successful. And I think a lot of that credit should go to Brian Dayball, their offensive coordinator. Uh, I was listening to a press conference this week uh, of Brian Flores, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And he was saying that, you know, in his time spent with Brian Dayball, who he said he knows well, he's always impressed. He said one of the things that makes him such a great offensive coordinator is that I never know what he's going to do. He's, he's unpredictable. He seems to call the right plays at the right time. And I believe there is an award for assistant coach of the year. I'm going to say it right now that I think that Brian Dable should win that award. Whether he will, I'm not sure. But I think he is deserving of that award. And Sean McDermott as well should be in in top consideration for head coach of the year. All right. So now that we've talked about week 16 in the NFL, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about week 17 now. And we're going to talk about the playoff clinching scenarios as we go through each game. So as usual, we're going to start with my team. The Miami Dolphins are traveling to Buffalo with their playoff hopes on the line. This is a big game for both teams. It's a little bigger for Miami, though, because they're in a situation where if they win this game, they are in the 2021 NFL playoffs. If they lose this game, they're going to need some help. And we'll get to those situations as we talk about the other games. For the Buffalo Bills, on the other hand, this is a big game because if they win, They are the guaranteed number two seed regardless of what happens with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason that that is so beneficial is that what it means is that you delay seeing Patrick Mahomes until the AFC Championship at the earliest. If you are the number two seed, you either lose before that or they lose before that and you never have to see him or you see him in the AFC Championship game. If the Chiefs were to lose a game and Buffalo went all the way to the AFC Championship, then they would host the AFC Championship if Kansas City lost the game, as I just said. So there is a definite, definite benefit to being the number two seed. And I believe that's why Buffalo hasn't come out and said, oh, we're going to rest players yet. Uh, Sean McDermott did say there's a plan in place, but he wasn't more specific than that. He didn't give any real details on that. So this is a big game. Uh, What I expect to happen is that, you know, the Dolphins are going to come out. They're going to play their their starters. They're going to really try and win the game. And I believe the Bills will also try and win the game, but I think that if they get a lead or if they start to fall behind, they might start to rest some guys. Um, just make sure that they have you know enough rest and that all their guys are healthy going into the much more meaningful wildcard game. So as I just said, you know the Buffalo Bills have a chance to be the number two seed if they win. 
nothing else matters. The other team that has a chance at the number two seed is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And their way of getting that number two seed is if the Buffalo Bills lose to the Miami Dolphins and they are able to win against the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Now, this doesn't seem to be a likely outcome because Pittsburgh announced that they're going to be resting some starters, including Big Ben Roethlisberger, their starting quarterback. Mason Rudolph, who we all remember from his incident with Miles Garrett, is going to be getting a chance to start against Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns. So that's an interesting storyline. Uh, check to see if you see any glue inside of Miles Garrett's helmet. Make sure he has that thing stuck on so it doesn't get used as a uh, weapon again by Miles Garrett or anyone else. But that's the chance that the Steelers have to be the number two seed. They would need a win and a Buffalo loss. And for the Browns, you know, this game is not as important as they would have wanted it to be had they won in uh, Week 16 and the Pittsburgh Steelers lost in Week 16. This game would have been for the division. And both of those things, if you were going into Week 16, were extremely likely to happen. If someone was to ask you, okay, in Week 16, do you think that the Colts, who are on a, you know, a pretty hot streak, are going to beat the Steelers, who are on a three-game losing streak? And do you also think that the Jets are going to lose to Cleveland? Most people would have said, you know what, that seems pretty likely. And unfortunately for Cleveland, neither of those things happen. So this game is not for the division, but they have a chance. They have not clinched the playoffs. They have a chance to fall out of the playoffs. So they're definitely going to be playing for their lives in this one. Because if they lose, they're going to need help, which no one likes to rely on in the NFL. The next Week 17 game with AFC playoff implications is... The Baltimore Ravens taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, who appear to be hot, you know, even though the Bengals are not really uh, that great of a team. You know, their starting quarterback is out. They don't have too many skill players. They're finding a way to get some wins as of late. You know, they beat the Steelers and then they just beat the Texans last week. So don't look at this to be an easy, easy out for the Ravens. You know, the, the Bengals are always going to play for pride. They haven't had anything to play for playoff-wise for quite some time, but that didn't stop them last week or the week before. So look for them to make this a tough out for the Ravens. But for the Ravens, who currently sit in the sixth seed, this game is a win-and-you're-in situation. Uh, so they're definitely going to be playing hard as well. And I do expect the Ravens to come out with a home win over the Cincinnati Bengals in this one. And the last game that has AFC uh, wild card playoff implications. The Indianapolis Colts are going to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have secured the number one overall pick. Uh, this one is really important for the Colts because they have some avenues to get into the playoffs, but it starts with the win. If they don't win, they are not in. Uh, so they need to win this game against the Jags. I think they will. Um, and then the next game that we have to talk about in the AFC is we have the Tennessee Titans going up against the Houston Texans. So this one is huge for Tennessee. Uh, if they win this game, they lock up the AFC South Division and secure themselves a home playoff game, which every team would love to have. Uh, it's going to be a huge game for them. It's also a division game, so you, know, you always want to win against your division. So it's going to be a really big game. So now I just want to go really quickly over the playoff scenarios for each of the teams that are looking to get into the AFC playoffs. So right now, as it sits, we have the Kansas City Chiefs that are currently in first place. They have locked up the first overall seed in the AFC in the bye week. Number two is the Buffalo Bills, who look like they should stay there unless they lose and the Steelers win. The Steelers are sitting at number three. And at number four is currently the Tennessee Titans. Those are the division winners. 
in the wild card. The Miami Dolphins, my team, is sitting at number five. Number six is the Baltimore Ravens, and number seven is currently the Cleveland Browns. Now, what's interesting is that every team from number four, the Tennessee Titans, all the way down to number eight, the Indianapolis Colts, they're all 10 and five. So week 17 can have a lot to do with how these teams move around and shape up the 2021 playoffs. So as I just said, the Tennessee Titans sitting at four, for them, if they win over the Texans, which I think they should, they stay at the four seed, regardless of if the Colts win, and they lock up the division. So that's the first scenario. The next scenario, we'll talk, we'll talk about the Dolphins. So the Dolphins are in a win and in situation, but since they are the five seed, they have a couple other avenues to make it into the playoffs. Uh, if they are to lose to the Buffalo Bills, they can also get in if the Ravens lose to the Bengals, which probably isn't going to happen. If the uh Browns lose to the Steelers, which is possible because the Browns are still dealing with COVID issues, or if the Colts lose to the Jags. Those are the three teams behind them. So the Dolphins are in with a win, or if any one of those teams loses. Next up is the Baltimore Ravens. So they also have a couple of paths to get into the playoffs. The first one, you know, as they currently stand in the sixth seed, obviously if they win, they are in the playoffs. They would stay at the six or even move to the five. Uh, depending on how other games go. Their other paths include the teams behind them losing. So that's if the Browns lose or the Colts lose, then the Baltimore Ravens are in even with a loss to Cincinnati. So next up in the seventh seed, we have the Cleveland Browns. Their clinching scenario is a little bit more interesting. Uh, so, you know, as a team that once again is sitting in a playoff spot, their obvious way in or their first obvious way in is to win their game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if they lose, they have a chance to still get in. If the Colts lose, that's the other more uh, obvious situation where, you know, the team behind them loses. Or they have a third scenario where, say, the Colts win, but the Titans lose. So then the Colts would be the AFC South division winners. And the Dolphins win and the Ravens win. So in that scenario, the Titans would be the ones to lose out on the playoff spot. So that's the very slim chance the Titans have to be out of the playoffs. They would have to lose and have three other games go in a specific way. So I like the Titans' chances. I think they should probably just win the division because I think they beat the Texans. And last but not least, in the eighth seed, we have the Indianapolis Colts. And their playoff clinching scenario looks like this. So they still have a chance, as I just kind of said, to win the AFC South if they win and the Titans lose or tie. So they have a chance they're going to be playing their hearts out. They definitely want to win the game to give themselves a chance to even be in the playoffs. Now, they could be in the uh playoffs as a wild card if they win and the Ravens lose or the Browns lose or the Dolphins lose. So they have a bunch of paths to get in. They all kind of need some help for that to happen. But it starts with the Colts winning, which I think they should. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this AFC, AFC playoff uh, race shakes out. All right, so now that we've talked about the AFC, just want to touch a little bit on, on the NFC and how that conference is shaking out as it stands. So right now in first place in the NFC is the Green Bay Packers sitting at the one. Uh, second place, we have the New Orleans Saints. Third is the Seattle Seahawks. Fourth is the NFC least current division leader, the Washington football team. And then the three wildcard spots, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five. 
We have the LA Rams at six and the Chicago Bears at seven. Uh, outside looking in right now is the uh, Arizona Cardinals who are at the eighth seed. And then we have the other two teams in the NFC least who still have a chance. The Eagles are now out, but it's between the Washington football team who are the current leaders, the uh, Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. So we're going to start off with the NFC lease and just get that out of the way. I find it hilarious that in week 17, there's a conference that, or a division, excuse me, that has three teams still, you know, in the hunt, still with their playoff lives alive, but only one of them can possibly make it because the other two are not even eligible for the wildcard spots. I just think that's pretty funny. But anyway, so the playoff clinching scenarios are as follows for the NFC East. If the Washington football team wins against the Philadelphia Eagles, they are in the playoffs, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They clinch their spot in the playoffs with a win, so they're going to be playing like their lives are on the line because they quite literally are. If they lose that game, they are automatically out. It doesn't even matter what happens in the other game. So very, very simple for the Washington football team. Win, you're in. Lose, you're not in. Now, for the other two teams that still have a shot, the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys, it's a little bit muddier than that. So, for either of those two teams to get in, it starts with a Washington loss. So, if Washington loses to Philadelphia, those two teams have a chance. If, by chance, though, Washington wins that game, it doesn't matter what happens between Dallas and New York, they're both eliminated. But, let's just assume that Washington loses, just for argument's sake. So the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Washington uh, football team and they win. Then at that point, the winner of the Dallas Cowboys versus New York Giants team would be the NFC least division winner at six wins, no more than six wins. That's insane to me, but I, it's just the way it goes, I guess. So if the, or seven wins, excuse me, if Dallas wins, they'll be at seven wins. If the Giants win, they will win the division at six and ten. So no more than a seven-win division winner. Now, if the game ends in a tie, and again, assuming that Washington loses to the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys would still advance into the playoffs with a 6-9-1 record. I know ties are not very common at all. You know, there's not a lot of ties in the NFL. I think there was only one this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, it's still a possibility, so that's why I decided to include it. So, just a quick rundown once again for the NFC Least. Washington football team win and you are in. For the Dallas Cowboys, you need a Washington loss as well as a win or a tie. And then for the New York football Giants, you need a Washington loss once again. And then a win over the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So, that messy division, we'll see how that all shakes out. Alright, so now that we got that dumpster fire out of the way, let's talk a little bit about the NFC wildcard race so as it currently sits as we talked about a little bit before the five seed is the tampa bay buccaneers the six seed is currently the los angeles rams and then the seven seed is the chicago bears and the eighth seed still alive in the hunt is the arizona cardinals so we'll start off with the tampa bay buccaneers so if they win well they've already clinched their spot in the playoffs but just in terms of seeding if they win they are you still the five seed, or if they lose and the Los Angeles Rams lose to the Arizona Cardinals, then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would keep the five seed and have the right to play at the NFC least division winner. So I think that that five seed in the NFC wildcard is going to be really coveted. 
Uh, most teams are going to want to play. You'd rather play Washington or Dallas or New York than play Seattle or New Orleans, that's for sure. So you definitely want to be up higher in the NFC wildcard race. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a really good shot to do that if they beat the Atlanta Falcons in Week 17 or if the Jared Goffless LA Rams lose to the Arizona Cardinals. They would keep the 5 seed. The lowest they could drop is the 6 seed and that would happen if the Rams beat the Cardinals and Tampa Bay loses to Atlanta. Next up, we're talk, we'll talk about the Los Angeles Rams, who, as we just said, will be without Jared Goff for this game. So they currently sit in the sixth seed in the NFC playoffs, and they're actually taking on the still-alive number eight Arizona Cardinals. So for the Los Angeles Rams, they're in if they win or tie against the Cardinals, or they're also in if the Bears lose to the Packers, which looks pretty likely, or they tie to the Packers. So there's a few avenues for the Los Angeles Rams to get in. Uh, obviously, you know, without Goff, it's going to be tough to compete with uh, the Arizona Cardinals, but we'll see how they do with John Wofford. I apologize if I mispronounced his name, but that'll be the starting quarterback for the Rams in Week 17. Then next up in the seventh seed, we have the Chicago Bears, who did not look like a playoff team for most of the year, but, you know, they somehow, in a weaker NFC uh wild card race they look like they're in position to make it they're currently the seventh seed and they're in with a win or if the cardinals lose so the bears are going to be playing for their lives against the uh, green bay packers and it's not like i think the packers are going to be resting players because if they win which they should they will get the bye next week anyway so i believe the packers are going to come out and play that game so the for the bears it's either win you know beat the packers or they can hope that the Rams, without Jared Goff, can beat the Cardinals. So we'll see how that shakes out for them. And then, you know, we kind of talked about it just there before, talking about the Cardinals, but they are in the eighth seed, and their pass to the playoffs includes a win over the Rams in their in, or they could tie and the Bears lose. So a lot of teams have, in, in essence, they have their, their destiny in their hands. So the Cardinals are in with a win, the Bears are in with a win, and the LA Rams are also in with a win. So everyone controls their destiny, which I really like. I love when teams don't need help. You know, you just go out and you play for what's yours or what you believe is yours. And uh, we see how it goes from there. Last up for the NFL in this episode, we're going to talk about the clinching scenarios for the number one overall seed in the NFC. So as we just said before, you know, as it stands right now, it's the Green Bay Packers at one, the New Orleans Saints at two, and then the Seattle Seahawks at three. So for the Green Bay Packers, it's easy. You know, they win and they keep that number one seed. They play the Chicago Bears in week 17. Then for the New Orleans Saints, it's a little bit more convoluted. They need a couple things to go their way in order to get that first round by. So for them, they would need to first and foremost, they would need to win in week 17. Then they would also need for the Packers to lose and for the Seahawks to win. In that case, all three teams would have the same record and the Saints would hold the tiebreaker over the other two teams. Now for the Seattle Seahawks, for them to get the first round by and the first overall seed, they would need for themselves to win and for the Packers to lose and as well for the Saints to lose or tie. In that scenario, the Seahawks and the Packers would hold the same record and the Saints would be a half game or a full game back of them, and the Seahawks would hold the tiebreak for the first overall seed. So that wraps it up for the NFL in this episode. 
Now we're going to talk a little bit about college football, where yesterday was a crazy day, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to start off in the Citrus Bowl, which was the number 14 ranked Big Ten Northwestern Wildcats football team taking on the Auburn Tigers of the SEC. Now, I'm like a lot of people who, you know, truly believes the SEC is the best conference. You know, the best defenses come out of the SEC. Some of the best playmakers come out of the SEC. I'm a big time SEC uh, believer. I think that they're the most legitimate conference. But my favorite team plays in the Big Ten, the Ohio State Buckeyes. So anytime, you know, bowl season comes around and there's a chance for a Big Ten team to play against an SEC team, or really, if the Big Ten plays anyone, I'm always going to cheer for the Big Ten because I want our conference to look the strongest so that, you know, people give more merit to when we have a certain record compared to maybe another team from another conference who may have the same record. Uh, you know, it looks good for the Big Ten when the Big Ten beats other conferences. And that's exactly what happened in the Citrus Bowl. The 14th ranked Northwestern Wildcats were able to defeat the Auburn Tigers by a score of 35 to 19. That was a big game to get bowl season kind of rolling yesterday. Next up, we had the Oklahoma Sooners that took on the Florida Gators a day before. Uh, Oklahoma entered the game ranked number six. Florida was ranked number seven. And this was another game where, you know, the SEC against another conference, this time the Big 12, uh, the Big 12 champions, actually, the o Oklahoma Sooners. So in this game, the SEC took another hit, and they lost 55-20 to to Florida. Now, Caltras did not look great in this game, but I do want to make mention that, you know, he had a few receivers that were out. There were a few Florida players that opted out, you know, to start their draft preparation early. And, you know, there, there was a little bit of depletion on the side of Florida, so that may have a part to play in it. But they were also just flat out outplayed. Spencer Rattler in Oklahoma looked really good. I'm a big fan of that running back from Oklahoma. I think he should be, you know, maybe a second day draft pick if he decides to come out. I'm not sure if he's eligible, but uh, they look pretty good. And another loss delivered to the SEC. Next up was another game where I thought the SEC would go down once again. The number eighth ranked Cincinnati Bearcats took on the number ninth ranked University of Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, that was in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And in the first half, it was crazy. The Cincinnati Bearcats, who I had never watched, which if you watched the last episode, I think I brought that up that I had never watched them play yet. But I wanted to see how they fared against an SEC team. Was there any real hype around them? Should they have been considered for the college football playoffs? Because they did have a perfect record entering that game of 9-0. and So... This was a chance for them to, you know, kind of put on display what they're able to do and put on for their conference. Now, in the first half, this game was a tale of two halves. In the first half, Cincinnati looked great. Their quarterback, whose name is escaping me right now, let me find out if I could see, Desmond Ritter. I had never watched him play, but, you know, in the first half, this guy looked like a first-round draft pick. I even said it in one of my group chats that I'm in. I said, is anyone watching this Georgia versus Cincinnati game? Desmond Ritter looks like a first rounder. He has got great mobility. He's very fast. You know, he's tall, which is what a lot of scouts like to see from the quarterback position. He was making all the throws in the first half, uh, you know, extending plays, rolling out, rolling back to the side where he came from and finding guys open in the end zone. I was really impressed by Desmond Ritter in the first half, had two touchdowns and was just really showing out. 
And then in the second half, uh, they actually opened up with a touchdown drive. So at halftime, the score was 14 to 10 for Cincinnati. They opened up the second half with a touchdown to make it 21 to 10. They wouldn't score another point. The final score was 24 to 21. Uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats kind of just fell apart. The protection started to slip in those SEC defenses that we always talk about. Uh, Georgia's came out to play in the second half, so credit to them. Uh, but it was a it was a really good opportunity for me to see what Desmond Ritter had to offer. I'm going to retract and walk back a little bit my statement that he's a first-rounder. But I could see him making some noise in the NFL. I could see Desmond Ritter as maybe a second-round pick or even a third-round pick for a team that you know has a quarterback in place. Maybe a team like the Steelers who can give a guy some time to really hone his skills. But he has all the measurables. He's fast. He can throw. Uh, so I'm excited to see what Desmond Ritter does at the next level. And now we're going to move over and talk about the college football playoffs. So we had two games, huge games. We had the Alabama Crimson Tide first taking on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. That was number one versus number four. And in this game, you know, Alabama did what they usually do. They took care of business. Uh, they won 31-14 to 14 over Notre Dame. And once again, it was Devontae Smith and Najee Harris and Mac Jones making plays on the offense. Uh, Devontae Smith had three touchdowns, I believe it was, uh, over 100 yards once again. Mac Jones put on a clinic, looking like a Heisman hopeful. And Najee Harris with an insane, insane hurdle. If you haven't gotten the chance, uh, definitely go and check that out. It's probably going to be all over SportsCenter and, and YouTube and all that. Najee Harris with a disgusting hurdle on a huge run for Alabama. They rolled in this one, no pun intended, over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Next up was the Clemson Tigers, ranked number two, taking on my Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, honestly, if you listened to last week's episode, I didn't see Ohio State winning this game. I thought Clemson had it in the bag. But there was one thing that I, I brought up last week, and it had a much bigger effect than I thought it would, and it was the return of Chris Olave. So in the Big Ten Championship, when Northwestern took on Ohio State, and it was a much tighter game than a lot of people probably anticipated. Uh, Justin Fields struggled in that game. He didn't look good. His number one target was out. Fast forward to this game against Clemson, and not only is Chris Olave back and doesn't appear you know, that he missed any steps or that he's feeling any effects of, of being off for a week, uh, he puts up six receptions for 132 yards and two touchdowns. Huge game for him. Huge game for Justin Fields. And the Ohio State Buckeyes actually defeat the Clemson Tigers 49-28, a three-touchdown whooping of the Clemson Tigers. That ends Trevor Lawrence's, I mean, I say ends, but it, he can continue if he comes back next year. No one thinks he's going to do that. He should go and be the number one pick in the NFL draft. But that should put an end to Trevor Lawrence's career at Clemson. We'll see what he does in the pros. As for Mac Jones, as for Justin Fields, one more game to showcase what they have and show everyone in the world that they deserve to be, you know, top tier quarterbacks in the first round of the 2021 draft. So that sets up a huge, huge college football national championship game between number one, Alabama, and number three, Ohio State. If you're asking me for my prediction of this game, uh, from what I've seen from Alabama all year, I cannot pick against them. They are a strong team. Ohio State did look good with Chris Olave back. 
and Baron Browning, you know, a couple guys on defense that were back. But I just don't think it's going to be enough to take down Alabama. There's nothing that I really see Alabama do poorly other than maybe stop the run. But even at that, you know, they're, they're still an SEC defense, a really strong team. Uh, if, if by chance Ohio State can, you know, run the ball very effectively, uh, not become one-dimensional in the pass or run game, I think they have a slight chance, you know, if they can keep up with Alabama scoring. But that's going to be just the problem there. I think that Alabama is going to score pretty much at will. Uh, with the amount of playmakers that they have. And I also heard that there's a possibility, a small possibility, that Jalen Waddell is available for Alabama in the national championship. How crazy would that be? And last but not least, guys, just to wrap it up, got a little bit of MMA news. So there was a bunch of huge fights that were scheduled to uh, take place to start the year off in January. The first one is Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. They're going to headline a UFC fight night on January 16th. That is a huge fight. Max Holloway is currently the number one ranked featherweight contender. Calvin Cater is ranked six. Holloway is coming off of two devastating losses against the current featherweight champion, Alex Volkanovski. Um, And he's going to be definitely hoping to get a win, maybe two wins before going up and taking another crack at Volkanovski. And it starts with Calvin Cater. Uh, Really pumped to see what that card is like because that is a really, really sick headliner. Uh, the next one is a little bit of unfortunate news. So on January 19th or 20th, depending on the time zone you're in, we were supposed to have the rescheduled uh, Leon Edwards versus Kamzat Chimaev fight at welterweight. That was a huge fight. Chimaev is currently 9 or 10-0. and 0. He looks like a destroyer, uh, but he's, in some people's opinion, still untested. You know, he hasn't fought any top-end guys. So that was exactly what was supposed to be the what was going to get to happen against Leon Edwards, who's a proven vet. You know, he's got a great record in the UFC. But unfortunately, uh, this fight is going to be pushed back once again. The first time it was pushed back because Leon Edwards tested positive for COVID. This time I'm hearing that it's out of the uh, Kamzat Shimaev uh, side of things that the fight is going to be pushed back. He had to pull out of the fight for undisclosed reasons. And last but not least... This fight is going to be huge. On January 23rd, we have UFC 257 between Conor McGregor, number four ranked lightweight contender, against Dustin Poirier, the number two ranked lightweight contender. This is the second time these guys have fought. In the first bout, McGregor obviously knocked out Dustin Poirier with a TKO. It was amazing. So this fight is going to be huge. I'm a Poirier fan, but, you know, McGregor, it's hard not to to love what he does in the cage. He's very, very exciting. Cannot wait to see this one go down and to see uh, what other fights are going to be announced on the card. Uh, So that's just a little bit of update for you guys on the UFC side of things. So that's going to be it for this episode of the Triple S Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for rocking with me. Really appreciate you guys. Make sure you like this. uh, Subscribe. Comment down below if you're on YouTube. If you're on your other uh, platform of choice, just make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a beat. I really want to say thank you and Happy New Year to everyone. And stay tuned for the next episodes because we're going to be coming live with lots more content. Peace. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick.